When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's your next Cardinal podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. I'm Johnny Venerable, joined as always by the GM Saul Bookman, who is currently sweating out the second round of the <laughs> the Pac-12 Women's Basketball Championship. Dirty as Buffaloes better not beat my Wildcats, I'll tell you that much right now. His U of A Wildcats in the midst of uh, blowing a fourth quarter lead, so we will all pray for Saul. They were up by three. They were, I thought down. they were up by more. No, they've been down the whole game. They just came back, and we just tied it. Let's go. Oh, uh, they called is, a timeout. You assholes. This is a football show. We're going to talk football. <sighs> okay, yes, but I'm going to allow a little, a little side cheating here for, for, for the GM. <laughs> uh, but we have a loaded show today. Thank you for jumping on because it has been my favorite day thus far of the NFL Combine. We are in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. as uh, our Saul and I, and we had an opportunity to speak with many, many different prospects yeah. this morning. Offensive line heavy, running back heavy, but we're going to start up front with the big uglies on the offensive line and your, I would, I'll call him your draft crush because frankly, ever since the senior bowl, you've been infatuated yeah. with this prospect. Like he's captain pancake, man. You know, they, they, they called, they called, uh, uh, it, it I want to say the right, the name, right. Okay. It came a Wonku yeah. or a con, a con or yeah. whatever from NC state. They called him Mr. Pancake. Yeah. Um, but, I'm here to tell you that is completely wrong because yeah. Trevor Penning is Mr. Pancake. If you watch the Senior Bowl practices, you saw him. He just had a nasty streak about him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, those are the dudes that I feel like the Cardinals need yes. um, in, in the fold. And so I uh, got a chance to speak to him. And more importantly, talk about his versatility um, because the Cardinals need a little versatility. They don't know which direction they're going to go, tackle or guard. Um, and Max Starks kind of alluded to that. Um, so, so Trevor Penning said, you know, he gave us his thoughts on his own versatility. I think I'm really, uh, you know, tackle first, but, um, I think with my, um, athletic ability and versatility, I think I could play guard if, if needed to. Pretty simple. Yeah. He thinks he can play either position. A lot of guys, to be fair, thought that they could play all five positions. Yes. Uh, which is definitely not the case. Mm-hmm. But, hey, you know, these guys have confidence for a reason, and that's why they're here. You know, it's we talked to Max Starks that we'll show here later in the show uh, about positional flexibility, versatility. I think that that is something that was once considered, like, taboo. Like, oh, if you can play a bunch of positions, it means you're not elite at one. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't agree with that. What we saw last year, I think, with Josh Jones was, was a perfect example. So we saw a guy who came out, third-round pick out of Houston, was supposed to be a tackle. 
They tried to kick him into guard because they had tackles, right? And he didn't play well, right? doesn't have the power upfield run blocking ability to play yeah. guard at a high level. I think when you look at somebody like Penny, like you don't worry about his power, yeah. right? And you feel like he can translate to tackle or guard at the next level. His, his, his flexibility, positional flexibility is much more refined than a lot of these guys. Well, so while I would be afraid and fearful of, of kicking somebody like that inside. I'm not worried about it with him. But the thing I did like was, is he said he did give you a preference. Right. He said, I'd rather play tackle because mm-hmm. I think I'm best at tackle yeah. than play guard. But he said, if need be, he can, he is versatile enough to play both, which tells me he's only a tackle. Yes. It really. If your heart's not into playing guard, then you're not going to be a good guard. It just that's that's also the DNA that I would identify in a player. Is what do you feel most com- confident and comfortable in? And if they tell you what position that is, you do everything you can to identify if that's a need that you can have on this team and fill. And right now, right tackle is looking pretty tasty right now for Trevor Penning if he j- should slip to the to the Cardinals he, at twenty three. He's in that mix, I think, because we all consider Evan Neal offensive tackle from the University of Alabama to be the consensus top tackle at least right now. You know, he showed up today in Indianapolis. We had a chance to speak with him at the podium. He is as lean of a three hundred thirty six pound man as man. I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Um, and and gone, so- gone are the days of the big fatties. Yes, <laughs> I, I, for lack of a better word, like each one of these guys shows up. You can tell they have some muscle mass. Yeah. You can tell they're they're not flabby. They're not just big to be big, right? right. You can't they, have excess weight. No, they they are they are fit individuals, just huge fit individuals. Uh, we got a comment. B says, "Hey guys, haven't been keeping up. Have have the running backs done the forty yet? No, we no, believe that's tomorrow. That is tomorrow. That is today, tomorrow. right now, the tight ends are running right now, mm-hmm. and then the wideouts are are later tonight. So it's like five p.m. East Coast time. So." I was telling Saul before the show, like my my time is all thrown off because usually you flip on the TV Arizona, mm-hmm. like, hey, things are getting going midday, and we feel like our day is about done, and yet they're still running, which is which is weird. But at the same time, we're excited about it. I'm excited to see these offensive linemen run tomorrow because you mentioned like physically they just they look different than like linemen of even like ten years ago. Yeah, and you, Trevor is in that group. I think Charles Cross. Icky, as you mentioned, I'm going to call him Icky because I can't pronounce his name. And then Evan Neal's is the quintessential top tackle. And then you go down. It's like, okay, can any of these guys potentially fall to pick 23? I don't think it's out of the question, right? But no. I think right I now. Think the premier guys, yes. Like you're, Evan, Evan Neal's, Neal's not, not going, falling. not right. falling that far. Uh, Equonu probably yeah. not going to fall that far either. But there's a couple of these guys that might because it's a, it's a, it's a heavily loaded, um, you know, uh, up front, it's heavily loaded. Yeah. And so any number of guys can go any number of ways. So we'll see. Yeah. It, so I want to flip the script to the inside of the offensive line because I do think the tackles are going to be at a premium, especially when you have teams. What's happening in your game? Do you want to share with everybody what's happening in your game? No. Okay. We're not going to do that. No. Sorry, U of A fans. Um, the tackles are going to be at a premium when you've got teams like Philadelphia that needs help, the Giants and the Jets, all of which have multiple firsts ahead of the Cardinals. So – in my opinion, why don't we flip the script and look in the inside in the interior offensive line and a certain national champion Georgia Bulldog in Jamari Salir, who also talked about his versatility today. I know everybody likes to kind of put me in that box of uh, inside guy uh, because of, quote unquote, lack of athleticism. But I've played in SEC four years, good, good four years. Uh, I think I've only given up two sacks to great players. Anytime my number was called on. We talked about today earlier, so after he spoke and I'm like, Good hell, Arizona Cardinals. 
can we just get one pick right on the offensive line from a premium program? Because I feel like, and not only with Jamari, because I think he's going to be really good, but like, you know, with guys like that, their ceiling is incredibly high. So even if you're not getting an all pro player, a pro bowl player, somebody who's elite, you just feel like with somebody like Jamari, who has been a four year starter, who has been all sec, who dominated Alabama's defensive front. I see mock drafts. He's going like late on day two, like a third round pick. Can the Cardinals just get a player like that to plug in at right guard next to Rodney Hudson and just go be a really good player for five, seven years? I mean, yeah, I I, I don't buy into the notion that all because you played at Alabama and Georgia and, and the big SEC schools that that means you're you're the best fit for the NFL. Like, yeah. I, I understand the thought that you're playing against premier talent. That is that is for sure. Yeah. But again, you're playing against premier talent at a at a at at the not the most premier uh premium level yet, yeah right so there's still a lot of development coaching is a big aspect of that the big time coaches and the best coaches go to the big time programs they do okay so if you have somebody at like a northern iowa uh, and no knock to northern iowa's football program it's been historically very very good yeah uh, but the the coaching at that level probably not as elite as as in the sec but once you get to the nfl just about every coaching staff is elite they've got the best of the best or at least they try to poach the best of the best. Yeah. And obviously I know like sometimes it's organization. That's why organizations, you know, I'm going to borrow this stupid line from, from the bulls uh, when uh, Jerry Krause used to say organizations win championships. No motherfucker. Uh, you have Michael Jordan. Yeah. That's who wins championships. <laughs> but in the NFL, I do believe organizations can help keep you on the path to success yeah. more uh, more than not, uh, and, and probably more than any other sport because there's so many people that go in to a football team, both off the field and on the field, and you really need to have that stability. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. So from the offensive line position, if you have if you can get coached up at a higher level, then I think that minimizes the gap of what you didn't experience when you were in college. To me, I just feel like there's a longer leash if you're Steve Kime, if you take players that competed for national championships. Uh, I don't have a long leash for Zavin Collins, who played at Tulsa, or Hassan Reddick, who played mm-hmm, at Temple, mm-hmm. or or Andy Isabella, who played at UMass, right? Not everybody's going to be, we've talked about this, David Johnson and John Brown. and this I mean, Isaiah thing. Simmons went to Clemson. Well, but he's he's an outlier because he didn't have a position coming into the NFL. Like, I know okay. what Jamari is going to play. He's going to play guard. Now, is he going to be elite? I don't know, but I just well, feel Jamari like... Well, Jamari says he can play four different positions. Well, Jamari's going to play... <laughs> Jamari's going to play guard because the Cardinals need a guard. I know that they... You would hope with this franchise not force him to play right tackle yeah, if they yeah. didn't need to. My my point is is just I feel like there's a lot of scrutiny under Steve Kime for for good and obvious reasons. Sure. He's not great at drafting. He's average after the first round, and he's abysmal in the first round. Yeah. Why not if you're Steve and you feel like, okay, I, I, I've renewed lease on life. I have my new contract now. I'm trying to find building blocks for this offense. I've got an article right now, gophnx.com, shameless plug, about finding offensive building blocks through the draft that – the Cardinals have a plethora of free agents this month, a lot on the offensive side. Let them go, right? Pick your spots. Invest premium picks on premium positions from premium programs. Like, I will not be pissed off. And this might sound cliche or foolish. I don't care. I will I will not be pissed at Steve Kime if he takes an elite-level prospect from a program like Bama or Georgia and they don't pan out. Because if they're ranked in the top 50 – and, and the Cardinals get them at you know the end of the second round or wherever they pick, if it fits the narrative, right, and they don't have to be ahead of the curve, and the players just, they're solid, they're okay, 
and they don't get a second contract, I'm going to say, you know what? It made sense. The player didn't pan out. Where I get pissed off is with the Andy Isabellas of the world and the Brandon Williams of the world and, and the Chad Williams and all of those players that for, are from schools that nobody watches. Those are for day three. You want to take a bunch of lottery tickets on day three? Awesome, right? Go, fi- go find the next, you know, okay. whomever on day three. Great. Take some risks. I'm not taking risks because I have three picks in the top 100, not this year. I need those players to hit and be starters right away. I think more than anything, your scouting team needs to be as 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 proficient as possible. Yeah. And, I, and that's where that's where my frustration would come in if something didn't pan out the way we hoped it would. Um, yeah, if if you if you hit if you if you take somebody from Alabama or Georgia or whatever, um, and they don't pan out, again, I'm circling back to you. How do we miss the how do we miss a player? from one of the most elite programs in the country within the eliteness of their group. Yeah. How, how did we miss that? How did we get the one outlier? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a scouting question. That's a, that's a, that's a company question, if yeah. you will. So that's kind of where my, my thought process is. It's not so much the programs they come from, but how to identify talent that fits your system as best as possible. Let me ask you this. Did you have money on your Wildcats via the DraftKings Sportsbook app? I did not. I never bet on U of A when we, when it comes to the tournament. Because it's your heart, you're betting with your heart. Yeah, because one time I should, maybe I should bet because the one time I did bet against Arizona, we won the national championship. Yeah, you can phase them, and then if they lose, you at least win some money. Yeah, I feel like Shane does that, and he doesn't tell anybody, but Shane's yeah. a big time fraud. But you know what's yes. not a fraud? Uh, when Covington and Mazdaval step into the octagon this Saturday, UFC 272 DraftKings, the official sports betting partner. Of the UFC has a knockout offer for new customers. Bet just $1 on the main event. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. First round knockout, you get paid. Majority draw, you get paid. Double knockout resulting in a no contest ruling. Yep, you guessed it. You get paid. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Just did a transaction the other day. Happened in a mere matter of hours. 21 and over. Arizona-only gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customer only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for more details. So we went to a source today for a little bit more insight on the field insight from the big uglies. Max Starks joined us. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, fantastic to have Max on the show. Uh, he gave us a lot of insight because neither one of us are su- were suited enough to play offensive linemen in the NFL. Slide step. Johnny Stepping. would get obliterated, <laughs> uh, especially after we saw these guys or some of these the, these tight ends alone yes. just putting up some reps on the on 225 over here on the stage. So uh, it was great to have him on, on, on our show. Yep, Max joined us, and uh, here's what he said. Here with Super Bowl champion, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Max Starks here at the NFL Combine. Max, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, now everything's starting to feel real, right? Yes. We got the bench press earlier. Guys are working out on the field. We can see from the screens. So now the Combine's at the place where we're like, okay, this is what we're here for. This is the main event starting to happen. 19 years ago for you. Yes. Long, <laughs> it has changed drastically since what, then. What's different? What's different? Well, first of all, we're here at, in yeah. the media capacity, right? There's an actual yeah. compound here for us. Yes. The stadium behind us here for bench press is actually a stadium textile seating, yeah. whereas it was a little small ballroom, and you had one coach standing all over you yelling out the reps. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the media access for players has changed. There's no podiums. There's no major network setting their risers up and everything behind you and doing a kind of a gauntlet of, of interviews. You sat at a table. 
and the media guys came and they put their recorder right in front of you, asked a couple of questions, moved to the next table. Madden was not here doing your doing your whole body comp. Yeah. So it was so the, the grandeur of it, I think, is the biggest thing that's really changed a lot. So I really want to pick your brain. So you played under Sean Cooper, the current Arizona uh, Cardinal offensive line coach, during your days in Pittsburgh. The Cardinals maybe are looking to upgrade their offensive line. First question, why do you think it's so difficult for, for young guys to convert to tackles like you did at the NFL level? I, I just think above all positions, that's the one that gives guys the most problems. Well, I think one of the biggest things is is where your competition was when you came from college. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at guys who, you know, and I had this conversation with actually a couple of the O-line coaches, was – the competition level is different than quarterback, right? If you get a small school quarterback, either you can throw and place the ball or you can't. Yeah. You know, with DB, either you have speed or you don't. Wide receiver volume matters. Smaller schools tend to throw the ball more, tend to be more spread out. So they come in with a lot of requisite experience. Offensive line, though, if you come from schools where you don't see the best, the biggest bodies, yeah. with the NFL, seeing a guy 270 pounds that runs a 4.55. You know, versus the guy that might have been six foot two, maybe two sixty. It's a big difference, and and also understand the terminology. How difficult was your offense to learn? You know, when you come here, because the communication is a lot higher at the offensive line, especially at tackle. When you're in a away game, it's a loud stadium. I have to rely on my knowledge if I can't hear the center. I can see him point a guy out, but I don't know if the guard's coming. If he's not. I see two guys off the edge. Now that trust and that experience has to kick in, and you don't necessarily have that if you didn't come from a lot of the bigger Power 5 schools and face that type of competition. You're with the radio broadcast with the Steelers, um, but you you live in the Valley. Yes. You, you've, you've touched base with the Cardinals uh, yeah. from time to time, obviously, <laughs> yeah. uh, locally. What What is your impression of where what the, the position of need is most along that offensive line? The tackle, the guard, what is your opinion? Well, when I look at I mean, obviously, you know, DJ's your, your, your main tackle that's yeah. under contract, so we don't have to worry about left tackle. Kelvin Beecham, we'll see if he comes back, you know, if there's a contract that's extended to him. So if I don't see Kelvin get that, then I think right tackle would be first, and then interior guards going to be second. Yeah, um, that's just how it is because P was not getting any younger. Yep, and he's also a guy where you have to fill that gap because we've seen guys have to fill in Justin Murray right at certain points in the year. So you want to bolster the interior of your offense line because injuries do happen, and even if Beecham does come back. He missed Tyler at the beginning with that rib injury. So you have to have those linemen that's a guard tackle flexible type of guy, a la like a Cade Mays from Tennessee, right? A guy who could, who could flip and you could throw him outside in the pinch, but he's mainly an interior guy. That's kind of where I see it, and that's where I think And, of course, Steve Kime, having his own line background, that's going to be an emphasis for him. He wants to get that right with the offensive line positions and make sure you continue to add depth because you got to add guys – who can block for Kyler? You mentioned that position flexibility. The Cardinals tried to do that with Josh Jones this year, former tackle, third-round pick out of Houston. He tried to flip it in the guard. didn't work out so well. Why do you think it's so important for guys to have that positional flexibility now? Well, I think even more so because the NFL dictates it, right? I mean, defensive line body types have changed drastically. No longer do you see a 330-pound nose guard who comes in the game and then you get a 270-pound Aaron Donald, who's now the premier guy that everyone's looking for in this draft. So they're looking at D-linemen like 
who's a fast interior guy that we can get? We don't need the big run pluggers all the time. So now you're saying, okay, well, how can this guy convert from either side to the other? And it's easier, I think, if a guy has played guard and can bump out to tackle versus yeah. a guy who's primarily tackling, you're asking him to play guard. Exactly. Even Evan Neal today said, oh, I can play all five positions, which is unheard of. Well, every guy said, I mean, Jamari, Jamari Sawyer also said he could play all five. So I was, I was snapping just the other day. And I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. We, we saw that with no Max Garcia. We did. A little yeah. bit this year. That wasn't his fault. No, that no, no. By yeah. necessity, but but I think, but I think that's the thing. Every guy has to come in with that confidence. Right? You gotta have a little bit of arrogance about yeah. yourself when you come in here. Like I'm just here to play. I just need to get in the door and I'll do whatever it takes. And you, but you'd rather have that experience. You know, for me, I, my, my senior year, I played all four positions on the offense line every game. Yeah. And it was like every like every game, every game. I was a starting right guard my senior year. And I was also the swing tackle. And then I also filled in for the other guards when guys need a break. So I, I literally had film that you could turn on a game film and see me play those. These guys, you don't have them switch switching positions like that. So it's like it's pie in the sky to say that, but then I want to see how you do react. If Aaron Donald lines up at a nose and you just happen to be the emergency center in <laughs> and you've only gotten a couple days reps worth, you, you, a little pee's going to come out. <laughs> so uh, it, we, we were talking about, you, you mentioned speed time. Yeah. There's a little part of me that's a little th- thankful that the Cardinals are taking 23 because I do feel like it's he would definitely go after I can pronounce that right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You talked about that confidence. You know, he was yeah. a guy that, that kind of stood out today. He said he thinks he should be the number one overall. Uh, it's a really good tackle class. It, it is yeah. a very good uh, front-line class. Have the Cardinals, by default, found themselves in the right position at the right time in terms of needing line help, not even on the offensive line, but even the defensive line as well? Yeah, I, I think it is unique. And this is something like we talked about, right? Defensive line, run stopping specifically help has been the pressure point for like the last five years. We've gone through three head coaches trying to figure out how to, how to stop the bleeding on, on run defense. So I think when you look at that, where you're at 23, you have a lot of things available to you. Because I think even a Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt body types, those guys are still available there because everybody's going to be looking at edge rusher. Yeah, Everybody's going to be looking at tackle. So it's like there's going to be some valuable guys that fall to you that can add some some quality and some depth for you along the trenches, whether it's an interior guy or whether it's going to be a defensive versus offensive guy. So, I mean, this is the one thing. And, and nobody's like – tremendously over the top better yes you know there's yeah. no jmar chase in this class right. right there there's there's no chase young you know that's just going to be there you're thinking aiden hutchinson or Kayvon thibodeau which do i like out of the two so everybody's kind of in the same realm but they're all in the same realm in the top two rounds and yeah. then there, and then there's a significant drop off yeah i don't see a big drop off at least right now from like pick 10 to 12 and pick 23 and you mentioned that defensive line class. It's funny. Kime has been kind of infatuated with taking a first-round SEC defensive tackle. It just hasn't worked out. He wanted Derrick Brown a couple years ago. When we picked before them, they took Isaiah Simmons. He really liked Quinn and Williams the year they took yeah. Kyler Murray. I mean, what sets the SEC apart on that defensive line? Well, I think the biggest thing is week-in and week-out competition, yes. right? I mean, we, we hate to say this, and me being an SEC alum, yes. I don't want it to come off as a bias, but I've covered the SEC for the last seven years. I work, I, I do SEC radio. Yeah. I break down the film, and it's just it's something different. That's why I say 
power five offensive linemen tend to do better because they've seen what Sunday looks like in a lot of their guys. So the same for the defensive linemen. They've seen what Sunday looks like on the offensive side of the ball. Like, if you're getting a D-tackle or a D-lineman, he's faced Evan Neal. He's faced Alabama's offensive line, yeah. especially if you're in the West. And then if you're so lucky, Bama does a great job because they get exposed to everybody because they're in the playoffs every year. So you're going to exactly. get the best of everybody else in the country in that playoff round and in that championship game. And just so happened this year, it happened to be SEC on SEC. But that's just where it is. The talent pool is drawn there, and they don't mind waiting one two years you forget about him and all of a sudden whoa where'd this guy come from it's like because this guy's been sitting there grooming and he's been watching other first round d linemen in front of him he's going to pick up a couple of tricks and that's when they come here they're so polished before we let you go who give me give me a name that you're kind of looking at like you know what i feel i feel pretty good about this guy well i mean i i didn't get to hear any d lineman i I was i've been here the last couple days for all the offensive guys a guy that you know, I just he surprises me, and I wasn't I wasn't expecting it. Uh, Max Mitchell's a guy, Louisiana Lafayette offensive lineman. He's intriguing to me. I like him. Jamari Sawyer's a kid from Georgia because I didn't I've watched him, but I haven't spoken to him. I haven't been around him that much. He's a kid that has my interest. Um, Max and then, Mitchell wasn't even recruited by any wow. by any Division One school outside of Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, and ended up being one of the top linemen in the entire conference. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when you get player of the year recognition, you're doing something really special over a lot of other positions there. So, I mean, those are probably the two from the O-line class that I'm intrigued about. Obviously, Lindebaum, he's, he's, he's the top center coming out here. Yeah. Uh, Kenyon Green's another kid. I like him from Texas A&M. But um, those are the linemen. I think wide receiver is one of my more intriguing ones because we, we saw the measurables for, like, Traylon Burks. Oh, yeah. He, he is a big, big boy. So I wonder where he's going to fall. Uh, Drake London, obviously being a Pac-12 guy, uh, winning, winning the Blitnikoff. He's a guy that intrigues me. Where will he fit? Because I think another thing for him is, is his fit for a team. So they're intriguing. Another guy, Sky Moore, uh, Western Michigan kid. came. He's actually from Pittsburgh, a Shadyside Academy kid. But he's a kid that's Western Michigan, we know. When you look at the wide receivers that have been put out by Western Michigan, they're always surprising because they're high-volume, great-catch guys in the slot. Yeah. So those are a couple of Absolutely. Absolutely. D. Eskridge, another one. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, real quick, I know okay. we said we were going to let you go. One more question okay. we got to ask you because we're asking yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah. You're the Cardinals. Are you paying Kyler Murray? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm paying him. I, I, I don't know if I'm paying him that. I don't want him to play for $5 million this year. Yes. If that's what you're asking, he deserves more than that. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm going I'm to go and just mortgage the entire future, right? You think it's five this year, pick up his option. It's going to be 30. So you're going to get that 35 in there somehow, whether it's in guarantees or however else they want to work it to get him there. But it has to be salary cap friendly because you still got pieces you need to focus on to get him better. Because I think that's the other thing is there's still that proven mentality. Yeah. It's like, yes, we saw everybody saw the letter, right? We saw the letter from his agent who happens to also represent Pete Cliff. But, you know, yes, those things are great and all. I was like, but what have you done in the second half? I don't trust the second half yet. I need to see one more year. And that's what the Cardinals are. So they're going to find something that's amenable and compromising. But, yes, I do agree. He is he has outperformed $5 million a year and just definitely deserves more than that. Great answer. Super Bowl champion, Max Starks, PHNX Cardinals, live from the NFL Combine. 
man, he's that's good stuff from the big man. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, fantastic to have Max on. Um, you know, I, <laughs> a side note: Max and I uh, first met a little under a year ago. We were playing uh, rec rec league basketball, oh, man. and uh, um, appreciate the invite. Yeah, well, I didn't know you at the time, so yeah. Their team one by one. I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. Well, hopefully you can get Max back on the show. He is a Valley native now. Yes. Uh Pittsburgh Steeler uh broadcaster. You can tell he's fantastic, fantastic insight as to what the Cardinals may or may not do on the offensive line and whether or not I'm gonna ask everybody this. I told Saul if, if they should pay Kyler Murray this offseason. And he had a very, I think, reasonable take. Yeah, for um, sure. and a lot of people in the chat, uh, is Kyler Murray staying? Uh yeah, where's he going? Uh, we know uh, <laughs> definitively there are a th- there's a third of the league here right where we're at right now scrambling for Dude, quarterbacks. It, I don't think I've ever seen it like this before. Like the free agent market is awful, and then the quarterback market uh, in the draft. Outside of we like both, we both like Malik, but yeah. he's an unknown. The rest of the class, in my opinion, meh. Yeah. Well, and and I will say this right now, and and I want to say this, and I want to preface it with the statement that I think. What he did is absolutely wrong if if convicted or or true or however it pans out. Um, but Deshaun Watson is going to find a home. Yes, he's going to be lifted up because of this horrific, yeah. horrific offseason yeah. group of quarterbacks. Where, where, fair or not, um, he's going to find himself with another team um, just because of the absolute desperation that these teams have right now. They, like, listen... Piss poor teams in the top 10 right now are scrambling to try and find a quarterback because there is nobody available. Can you imagine being the New York Giants and you're like, hell yeah, two top 10 picks this year. We're set. And it's like, oh, no, there's no quarterback for us to take. Better re-up Daniel Jones. Yeah. (laughs) You have to take some elite either edge rusher or interior lineman, either on the defense or offensive side of the ball. That's about it. Yeah. It's not a great year you need a quarterback, but it is a great year. It's a great day to go to phnx.com, sign up for a membership, become a member of our family, get exclusive content via our members' Discord, all the exclusive articles from myself and my many talented peers. You can also check out phnxlocker.com for all of the phenomenal phnx gear, cardinals or otherwise. You're not going to hurt my feelings. If you'll, you know, tonight after this loss, maybe go and get a U of A t-shirt, you know, because it's need the support, rep it out in the Valley women's team just lost sensitive subject for for my co-host here i don't even understand what's going on right now <laughs> like why why like, is illinois state playing right now no 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 no. all right then i don't uh, want to hear this shit. The, my our women's team uh is much more formidable than our men's team who has not made the tournament since 1998 that is the longest um stretch in the missouri valley conference uh that being illinois state so we don't talk about the redbirds here we do talk about a different kind of red yeah, bird here that, that being yeah. the arizona cardinals and uh, local, let's, let's keep it on the subject of local products because we'll, we'll, we'll move it on up to Tempe from Tucson. Sure. And uh, you got to talk to your boy Rashad White today about the yeah. possibility of becoming an Arizona Cardinal. I'm a big fan of Rashad White. I love his demeanor. Um, I like, I like, he's a smooth dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and we, we chatted with him a little bit today, got some sound from his presser. We met with him a little bit afterwards too. Uh, just a good, a good kid. You know, you hope nothing but the best. And, Freakishly bigger than I thought he was. I really thought he was Eno Benjamin, like you know, sub six foot. Yeah, you know, but my guy is is a big big guy. He's like, um, 
I mean, honestly, like when I, when I look at him, I, I think of Derrick Henry. Yeah. Like, like that type of size. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's a much smoother runner in terms of uh, compactness and getting down, you know, Derrick Henry is more of an upright runner. Um, whereas I think Rashad White has more lateral speed yep. side to side. Um, and he's got things to work on for sure, but I think he's one of the elite prospects. And I actually saw uh, some type of a graphic today. Uh, I, I'm not even going to say what outlet it was because it was absolute dog shit trash um, <laughs> that had him as the 19th ranked running back yeah, in this class. Right. Dude, get the fuck out of here with that. Uh, like, there's, there's not even – he might be the best running back in this class. If you saw – the media grouping around him. So for full context, there's about seven to eight podiums that they bring out all these prospects. And so the media has to disperse and cover who they want to cover. He had the biggest group in that, in that range of running backs that were uh, available at 8am this morning, because I believe his best football is in the NFL level. He sat behind, Eno Benjamin, right? Thousand yards this year, very capable receiver had almost 500 yards receiving. And to your point, Saul, like I was, taken back by how large this man is. And I think it is the perfect replacement if they can't resign him for James Conner. A million percent. And you know, you're talking about a little bit more high end speed. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, and, and he's not, he's not a, he's not a, a finesse runner. No, he can run you over. He can, he can run good routes. Like I like his, his game. I love the fact that he had limited carries too, because you think about a lot of these backs that come from the collegiate level to get to the NFL and the tread on the tires is a little bit worn. Now you've got a guy who people say, oh, he's a one-year wonder, or he's just a late bloomer, but he looks the part, and here's what he had to say about potentially playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so, I mean, the Cardinals, obviously, you know, they've been, uh, I mean, you know, a lot. I, know, I mean, I played two years here at Arizona State with 15 games uh, the past two years, so I know they've been very successful, especially, like, starting out in the beginning of the season. Uh, I mean, would I like to stay in the Valley? I mean, yeah, I like Arizona a lot, so, you know, I wouldn't mind that, of course, but honestly, i just say, um, you know, i say they're a pretty good team, got great great, uh, great coaching staff, I think, and uh, yes, of course, I have spoken with them. So he confirmed that he did speak with the Cardinals, had some conversations. I also like the the innocent dig that he didn't mean to dig the Cardinals, but he did say like, Oh yeah, they've had great starts. <laughs> you were like, like the only one to pick up on that. <laughs> I was like, I started laughing as soon as he said that. Um, and uh, I think I caught him off guard when he, when he, when he looked down and he saw me laughing, he was just like, Oh, I must've said something. So, uh, but he came out right away and it was funny cause he got to the podium and he just sat there. And uh, one of the Buffalo riders uh, who, who's, who are also looking for a running back. Yeah. Um, said well you're gonna talk and he was like uh, i haven't gotten the go-ahead yet and my man over here the pr guy was off to the side and he was like he kind of stumbled over there he's like oh yeah you guys can can start now i was just like jesus what the hell's going on man so listen i think he has all the tools that you want yep i think he's an elite level running back again the running back position is um not as premium as it once was it's more of a, you know, you can go two, three years with one running back and then move on to another one. Yeah. Um, and depending on the coaching and the style, um, it can be effective. And in this system, not too much is asked of the running back. No. You know, you, you get about 10, 15, 20 carries a game. Yep. And catch a few balls out of the backfield, and that's about it. You got to be a good blocker, mm-hmm. especially because Kyler needs a good blocker. Um, but outside of that, that's kind of what, what the expectation level is. And I think Rashad... Uh, White can absolutely carry that load. Wouldn't it be funny? And I don't think they're going to do this because I think they have to leave free agency with a back, whether it be James or Chase or whomever. But wouldn't it be funny if they just stood pat 
and they kept Dino Benjamin, and they took Rashad White, and then they just had the all ASU backfield next year. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Is that sarcasm? You're like, you know, what's going on? I mean, Dino looked great. He ran over somebody. I, I don't, great Kirkpatrick I don't like San how Francisco. you've tried to set this up as like an all ASU background uh, backfield, as if I should get excited about this that aspect just, of this. This is just how it phased out. Hey, when you guys, meaning U of A, and I have no dog in this fight. I didn't go to either school. When you start to have some wins, we then were. then the, <laughs> then the draft picks start to come. Herms had a little bit. Of when the hell did this become U of A bashing session? All of a sudden, okay. You so don't we're, even like ASU. I. It's fine. Whatever. Right. Okay, so a, a program that the Cardinals have tapped into, just like U of A, has been the University of Florida. They took Marco Wilson mm-hmm. last year, and it just so happens Florida's got one of the most uh, highly touted prospects at running back, that being Damian Pierce. I asked Damian, pro comps, who does he like? Who does he remind himself of at the NFL level? You know, I take a lot of little things from a lot of bats. You know, I try to, you know, because um, one thing about me, I, I like, I'm always adding to my game. I'm always trying to get better. You know, I'm, I'm always open. You know, when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, my favorite running back for recent years was probably Gurley before y'all kicked my boy out of the league. He was, he had a presence about him. Um, it was like a little bit of like Marshawn Lynch-esque, and that's how he plays. He runs through people. Uh, James Conner has that. You need a nastiness to your game. I, with all due respect to a lot of the shiftier backs here, we saw what this offense was with a power back employed. So whether it's Rashad White or Damian Pierce or whomever, I want somebody with size because, I mean, it's just, it goes without saying, Kyler Murray doesn't have size. So you can't put him under center for fourth and one or fourth and goal or, or fourth and inches. You need a big back. And the Cardinals were at their best this season, yes, when they had the tandem going. But James Conner made the Pro Bowl for a reason. He had 18 touchdowns, mm-hmm. and he's, he was under four yards per carry. I think this offense, whomever the big back is, is going to produce at a high level. Yeah, no I, no doubt. It, it, I like everything that you just said. I think it's spot on. The Cardinals do not want a finesse running back. They want somebody that, that gives you a little bit of a balance yep. in the passing game, especially. Um, and and can thump it on you know third and one mm-hmm. like you need that guy and James Conner was that guy for the most part James James Conner was the best running back they had this year it's, yeah it wasn't even close um, you know because he could do it in short yardage he even caught balls out of the backfield you, you remember that spectacular catch he made in Chicago yeah one handed in the rain yeah um, and and those are the types of plays that you need your guys to make out of the running back position Rashad White can do it this guy can do it like. It's it's a good year for the Cardinals, to be honest with you, because you have a quarterback, and I know there's been a lot of talk about Kyler, but Kyler's coming back. Yeah, like there's no, there, make no bones about it. He's coming back. You're not going to throw away an elite talent like that just because you you don't want to negotiate or you're feeling salty about how the season ended or any of that stuff. Both both of them will come to a, a nice compromise. They'll get a deal done. I'm not worried about that. But externally. You're talking about key positions, you know, your 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 skill positions and wide receiver. There's some good talent out there. And then you're talking about some power positions in your offensive and defensive line. A lot of talent right there. Yeah. The Cardinals have found themselves in a nice little pocket right here where they don't have to worry about some of the things that all these other teams that are str- struggling have to worry about. They can pick the position of need, the best player available, like they say they do every single year. Yeah. But this time they can really mean it and actually do it. You know, it's funny, you know, Kyler comes into this team and he's got Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk who have been here and Chase Edmonds and some of these guys. And then when they get Hopkins and James Conner, these are all vets that have been in the league. Mm-hmm. I want, and I put this in my article, gophnx.com, like I want a group of players 
now that Kyler's been in the league for three years, we presume he's going to get extended at some point, right? He's going to be the guy on offense, not only from like, a, you know, an elite standpoint, but like the leader on offense. We mm-hmm. expect that, right? Who are the cornerstone players that are going to grow with him in this offense? Outside of, and I'm not going to put Hopkins in this group. Hopkins is reaching 30 years old, with all due respect to DeAndre. And even Zach Ertz, if they bring him back, he's he's 31. Building blocks offensively. It's Rondell Moore, we think, and that's it. There's nobody else on the offensive line. There's nobody else in the running back group. So this is the draft, in my opinion, that sets the Arizona Cardinals, hopefully on a collision course with offensive greatness because you can find young players to build around Kyler Murray via the draft. I know everybody wants to splurge him for agency. You know, we saw that with Adrian Green last year. It's great. It's a Band-Aid, though, and guys hit free agency for a reason. Yeah. Give me a young back to pair with Kyler Murray for the next five years, a receiver to grow with Kyler Murray in the first round, hell a guard that he can count on or a center. I I want them to spend premium picks on offense for Kyler Murray's development, because I think they've done a little bit of disservice. I mean, we talked about it at nauseum, but the back-to-back inside backers, I'm over that, you know, outside of edge rusher and defensive tackle. I know people are, are crazy about corner. No, thanks at 23. Give me offensive players. Um, Yes, I, I don't look at it quite in the, the those same terms. I know you're you're looking at it from like a I feel like you're looking at it from like a an eight to ten year window. I am. I'm looking at it three years. That's three years is the window right now, is is what I look at it because you have DeAndre Hopkins and you can't dismiss the fact that he's got two or three years, like good quality years probably left yeah. until the decline starts. Um and, and, and so you gotta take advantage of that window because that's going to help your other players develop as you go along these next couple of years. So when I look at these guys, I'm like, okay, who can develop into a great player? Number one, yep. of, of course, but who who's going to give me the most bang for my buck here in the next two to three years? And more importantly, who would be able to take advantage of the mismatches afforded by DeAndre Hopkins being on the opposite side of you? Yep. Like you have to have that guy. That's why I don't want a tweener. I don't want a small little guy. Like I just don't. Like yeah. listen, six foot or above, please. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I like. I want a guy that has some length to him that can go up and get the ball. Who's got a little bit of speed. And I, I know I'm, I'm listing off a lot of dreamy uh, traits, but mm-hmm. um, there are guys in this draft that that fit that mold, and th- not even necessarily in the first round or even the second round. You might be able to find a Christian Watson, for example, from North Dakota State. He's six foot four. Um, that that is a good route runner. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so the, the bigger targets are going to help your quarterback. And I hate to, I hate to play the small card about Kyler. Right. But, but it's a real thing. There, there is a little bit of a limitation in terms of seeing things downfield when the pocket starts to get a little bit tighter. And if you have a taller guy, just even a little bit of a taller guy, I feel like that just gives you a little bit more of an advantage um, and opportunity. Well, why do you think he targeted AJ green and, and Zach Ertz so much? Zach Ertz was the most targeted tight end of the NFL after they traded for him. And I believe that was in large part because of his size. He was available. So I I don't think you're crazy uh, in any stretch of the imagination. I might propose a crazy trade here in a second, but before I do, uh, children five or older are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The COVID-19 vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease. It's safe, free, and highly effective. And COVID-19 vaccines are effective throughout Arizona. Visit azhealth.gov slash fine vaccine for a location nearest to you. So 
So uh, Ish, uh, Elon Musk in the chat, Ish Wainwright ain't playing for the Cardinals. But if he was, he'd probably be playing tight end. Yes, that's true. Um, so there was an interesting kind of tidbit I took away from this afternoon yes. on Twitter. And I want to be sure I give the writer credit. It's Dan Duggan. He's the beat reporter for the New York Giants via The Athletic. And this is something interesting because we have been asked this before, what the price would be. He is getting word, uh, word of mouth throughout the combine. Saquon Barkley, the current value for the former second overall pick, fourth round pick right now to acquire Saquon Barkley. Now, he doesn't think the Giants will do it because, uh, first of all, that's that's su supremely poor return on investment after taking him second overall. Yeah. So you would have to assume they'd want a day two pick at minimum. But he's due $7 million next year. He's been injured, right? He hasn't been overly productive outside of his rookie season. Hmm. Are you taking a flyer on Saquon? Seven million. Seven million. Oh man, that's not a good look to pay Saquon seven million and James Conner not money. Yeah, but <laughs> but Saquon's ceiling is so much higher. It is, and he's only twenty five. I mean, man, I know people don't don't want to do that. I know, but man, it would be really hard to turn that one down. Yeah, it really would be. I mean, you're talking about a premier level athlete. Does he still have it though? Yes. I, I didn't watch too many giant games on purpose last year. He so. still has it, okay. especially. Listen, you can't judge anybody who plays for the Giants. That's true. Not even their quarterback, Daniel Wilson. Like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Sorry, Daniel Jones. Not A even bunch their of people are going to be cherry picking that roster, saying that we love this guy pre-draft, whether it be him or Will Hernandez or whomever, and they've just been giant meaning they, they haven't been able to succeed because they've played for that piss-poor organization. It's like, it's like judging a car because the driver is so terrible. Wow. Like, no, that's that's not it. It's, you know, listen, you still got a beautiful sports car. It, the engine works just fine. It's just this noob over here doesn't know how to drive. That's what it is. And that's what I feel like the Giants organization, which has been a clown show for it the has. last decade, um, it has done to Saquon Barkley. Now, injuries, that's a big part. Yeah. And, and I'm not. But this guy is a freak athlete. Same thing with Christian McCaffrey. You know, there's a lot of rumors about him possibly getting either released or traded. Yeah. Um, that's another elite level athlete. We saw him single handedly beat the Cardinals this year. He did. Yeah. Like, you can't find players like that just around the corner. Like, you have to recognize the talent. And yes, there's a little bit of risk inherently involved in these deals because they are running backs and they get banged up. But the risk reward is so significant you got to take a look at it he had a grade saquon barkley of a, a hall of fame level grade coming out so like this time uh however many years ago that was the nfl combine the consensus was you're taking saquon barkley top five because you he's a hall of fame player now we haven't seen that because he's been running into a brick wall i do think and i'm i'm of the mindset that any car, any running back will succeed in this offense because it's very running back friendly same. like you mentioned same and because of kyler murray what he would do is he would open up the passing game. He's a fantastic pass catcher. He's also very good in short yardage. Okay. So you check two boxes there right away. And I do think things will open up in the shotgun. They ran. They didn't run a whole lot of shotgun in New York. It was a lot of eye formation with a fullback. And good hell, that's what led to, I think, a lot of his inefficiencies and, and non-production. So I could be talked into it. And I think that it would infuse somebody like Kyler Murray saying, hey, we have Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is your new running back. Tell me, tell me that that doesn't seem like a Steve Kime move. I, 
I don't hate it. I, tell me, like, listen. You see on paper that the Cardinals have traded for Saquon Barkley. Nothing worse. Nothing are you more shocked? than a fourth, though. Are, but are you shocked? No. If that happens, no. Is it a big bang? Yep. Is it a is it a time time kind of deal? Yeah. It absolutely is. It makes too much sense. Now I think it's for sure going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so he's under contract for one more year. So it'd basically be a one year flyer. And if he produces, you're really screwed. Because or, then you, or maybe you trade him and and you get him to guarantee to a second year deal. Yeah. And you do a two for ten. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you get a, you say, hey, come to our offense, but you got to come for two years, and we'll give you five million over the course of these next two years because which is basically what you would have been paying James Conner. Yeah, that's true. That's ah, I don't know. look at that turning the wheels. There's a lot of people who want to bring back James Conner. And look at that. We talk about Saquon Barkley, and our chat goes up by like ten. People are excited. They're pumped up. They want to see some Saquon Barkley in a Cardinals uniform. I tell it, me I'm wrong, chat. It's funny. I put it out there, and I got a lot of engagement. People saying, "Hell yes, do that move." Now that's fantasy football esque. That's not real football. <laughs> I think you could take one of these kids back here. 22 year old and they would be fine and productive and you would save about six million dollars you're only saying that because you want to see a stupid all sun devil backfield no i don't care about that take take uh, isaiah spiller of mississippi state take one of these other guys i don't care i to me it's it's not a move i could get behind only because the price and then the cost that money has to go elsewhere you got to put that money we saw cliff kingsbury in the presser two days ago be adamant that they have to add to their corner room like very visibly like hey we're gonna add somebody they gotta go spend big money at corner and i'm okay with that like if they go out and they sign you know jc jackson like i'm gonna feel good about the cardinal secondary next year i'm gonna feel really good about it i won't i won't feel good about it until they get somebody that can shore up that defensive line well well and hopefully they can like that that's you can have the best cornerback in the world, but if you're leaving out there for seven, eight seconds at a pop, you're going to get toasted no matter what. Should I ask Cliff about that when we ran into him in the hallway? <laughs> so we ran, I, I knew that was going to happen. So we ran down Cliff in the hallway, and, and Saul and I got to speak with him for about two minutes Yeah, uh, and congratulated him on his new contract because yeah, we, yeah. we are happy for him. We are human beings, yeah. right? Hey, anytime people can get paid, I'm happy for them. That's right. Trust me. That's believe right. me. Hey, Cliff Kingsbury. He was on Pat McAfee today. He was loosened he up. He killed it. He had the top button open. He killed it. He had the beard going. I mean, he's he's a cool he's a cool guy. Now, can he coach in the second half of the season? Hopefully, some improvements are made there. Sure. But I put a tweet out today, and it got people riled up. And I, all it said was, he's got as many ten plus win seasons as Ken Wisenhunt. Ken Wisenhunt did it in six seasons. Cliff did it in three. And I think there. I mean, if he gets to year three of this extension. He's going to have the most wins of any Cardinal coach ever. Well, yeah. So you broke this down yesterday, and it blew me away. First of all, that if he if he if he wins twenty seven more games, he becomes the Cardinals' all time winning coach. That is amazing. Not in, not including postseason games, regular season. Yeah, regular season. Okay, yeah. and then on top of that, all he has to do was actually he's already coached the second. Uh, uh, best franchise uh, single season record yeah. uh, in franchise history, which I, I know the bar is kind of low on this. Like we just Aaron's has it at 13 wins, and he, and then Aaron's also has 11 wins. And I think Don Coriel might have reached 11 wins once upon a time. Cliff's got an 11 win season now. Yeah, he's got 12. No, they won 11 games. Was it 11? Mm-hmm. Oh man, 11 and six. It's yeah. these new funky 17 game schedules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, but like, if Cliff, if Cliff Kingsbury wins like eight games next year or nine, and then eight games the following year, like number one, he's not going anywhere because they're going to be in the mix, and number two, 
He's going to approach mm, Bruce Arians. Okay. All right. I think nine wins get you in the playoffs every year now in the NFC. So Dude, nine and eight? Yeah. No, you got to win ten games. No, I think ten I think, and seven is the new nine and seven. I think I think Philadelphia got in with nine wins, didn't they? Or the no, you're right. San well, San Francisco went ten and seven, and they got in. So yeah, I, I, I ten wins. Listen, if Cliff Kingsbury loses more than 10, 10 wins in a single season, and it's not injury uh, provoked, then uh, yeah, no, he's that 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 extension is going to be short lived, dude. I, they are, Michael Bidwell wants no part in paying coaches who are no longer on his staff, yeah. and he just got done paying Steve Wilkes, like just got done. So now he, he would just prefer to pay Cliff Kingsbury to coach for him, not to sit I will, on his couch. I, I will say this, okay? And I think this kind of gives you a little glimpse of what Cliff, why Cliff might be liked by players. Yeah. Is that you got a little bit of a snippet of it on that show today. Yeah. And it meant, you know what? It was so fucking refreshing. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the first thing I said to him. I was like, I fucking loved you on that show today. Yeah. Like, uh, it, w- people want to see more of that. They want to know who you are. Instead of this coach speak bull bullshit like they, you actually came out and said hey this is what it is they this asked is him the patrick on. mahomes question which was great like people say cliff you lost a lot of games with mahomes how are you going to win at the nfl level he's like well we did average about 45 points per game at texas tag with patrick mahomes <laughs> too bad the defense average <laughs> giving up 52 basically <laughs> and he also basically said he'd rather do any other job in the world before he recruits college kids again. So that yeah. basically confirmed he's not going back to the college level. He basically told everybody, yeah, that whole rumor before was we were full of shit. Yeah, I was never going to Oklahoma. Trying to get my money with Eric. Eric and I were trying to get my money just like they're trying to do with Kyler now. It's, it's a business, man. You it know, is. People trying to get paid. Listen, and he and it worked for him. He yeah. got paid. Uh, Kime got paid. Good for them. Like, listen, like if, if we we didn't go out last night because uh, uh, Johnny Babyface over here was I like, I'm ready. so tired. I had to be ready so to get here and grind for you guys at 8 in the morning. Like, oh, my gosh. My I guy, have. My guys over here at Pro Football Focus left the bar at 5 o'clock in the morning. Do you know that for sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. I heard it on their show. No. Like, that's that's G-level dedication We were right out till 2 a.m. the night before, and then yesterday we grinded all day, and today we grind today. And so, like. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm not. They're not here with you. But I'm not physically built for these kind of. You're not physically built for much. Well, (laughs) put me on that bench press right there. I'll show you otherwise. Can you bench two twenty-five? I yes, I can. How many times do you think you can get that up? One. (laughs) In my in my peak, I could do it twelve times. I have short arms. Oh yeah. Yeah. Twelve times. That dude, that's pretty impressive. Thanks, man. I'm five six. I have short arms, but that was always my best. Maybe lip. we should do a combine type. So, like Espo was, it was at it. Oh, let's do this right here. Yeah. Okay. So I was watching the NFL Network guys say. So this is eight and a half by eleven. Okay. So if you just take your hand, no, not doing that. Come on. <laughs> well, let's just. Wait, I don't need. My I hand don't... is definitely bigger than eight and a half. Your hand which... is bigger than Kenny's. Kenny yeah. Oh well, yeah. Way bigger than Kenny's. Um, and over. Yeah, for sure. So, but you don't want to do that. I don't need the answer. Come on. I don't need the answer. <laughs> I don't need the answer to that question. Fair enough. I'm, not, right. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be the Denver Broncos quarterback. <laughs> You're picking through the muck here. The the combine. Other than Malik, we love Malik, and we hope Malik does well. Yeah, we hope everybody Malik. does well, and we we thank you for hanging out with us today. Day what feels like a hundred is day three of the NFL Combine. We will be back tomorrow, <laughs> three p.m. with more festivities, more fun here from Indianapolis. Be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. And who knows, 
this time, every day we wake up, we feel like we might get more breaking news as it relates to the Arizona Cardinals. I, you know, I, I feel like we're going to get, we're on the verge of something else that's bigger. I yeah. just feel like something's going to happen tomorrow or Saturday. Uh, hopefully extension for Kyler. It would be nice to get that out of the way. Yeah. But, um, but in the meantime, we're hopefully going to come across a few other guests. We're hoping to get Rashad White on the show. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood. Hopefully we'll get him. If not, then he'll be hopefully on the ASU show next week in yeah. the studio in Phoenix. It'd be great to have him on, on the show. He's a good kid. So been great to hang with you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.